Hey there, and welcome to the Refuge Podcast. We're a podcast at Crossroads Community Church here in Nampa, Idaho. And here at the church, we believe in being a place of refuge, transformation, and partnership with God. I'm Charlie, and I'm a pastor here at the church. And I'm Scott, and I'm one of the partners here at Crossroads. And today we get to hear from Pastor Jim talking about uh, continuing our message series, part 18 of this Evangelion Good News series. And uh, we get to hear about uh, John 14, 15 through 31. And really a cool passage, but also he kind of tells an interesting story about uh, a motorcycle ride. And what did that story make you think of? Well, I was just picturing what, what he was going through. And I, I've often thought, you know, I'm, I'm like that so much of the time. I'm like that. I want to push my own bike. Um, and when it sounds ridiculous trying to push a motorcycle halfway across the country, uh, it doesn't seem to sound equally ridiculous to try and push your own spiritual life. And I thought, hmm, you know, that should sound just as ridiculous to me as trying to push a motorcycle halfway across the country. Uh, because it is every bit as ridiculous. It's, it's a, every bit as effective in me trying to become like Christ. Well, how do I become like Christ? Oh, well, why don't I ask Scott? <laughs> he knows. And so it, it's, it's just ridiculous. No, I think, you know, he said it in a cool way. We almost call that spiritual. You know, if we if we make it all about our effort, you know, and there's such a difference between the the work of God and human effort. And I think Jim talks about that in a pretty cool way and the beauty of, of really abiding in the spirit. So here's Pastor Jim Halbert uh, preaching this message. Uh, we'll be back to discuss after he's done. Welcome to Crossroads. If you're listening online, welcome to Crossroads to you too. Uh, just really are glad that you're here this morning. If you are new, we do have a connection center back there. We'd love for you to drop by and say hi. We have a few things that we'd like to give you just to say thanks for coming. And uh, by the way, if you're new, we have uh, Bibles in the racks in front of you. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 14 today. So gives you a moment to find that. But we're not there yet, but uh, we're going to get there. Uh, this is a, an important week um, in, in, uh, in America. We have this amazing gift and ability to vote. We have a way of saying this is what we believe is important. And so um, I would encourage you to exercise that right as you carefully and prayerfully decide who it is that you think is, is m- most upholds the, the values and morals that you have as, as a person of faith. Uh, but, but exercise that right. It's an important uh, time in our country, and so, uh, so do that. Uh, we've been walking through this series called Euangelion, which is the Greek word for good news or gospel. And uh, we have discovered that the good news is not a thing that we can debate among Christians or denominations. We, we've discovered that actually good news is a person. His name is Jesus, and that therefore is not up for debate. He he tells us who he is. Everything he says, therefore, is good news. Wherever he goes, it's good news. Whatever he does, it's, well, it's good news. Now, we also know that as we've walked through the Gospel of John, that it's not always come across as good news. 
Sometimes it's not good news to certain people because, well, Jesus cramps our style. <laughs> but Jesus is moving closer now to this point of his earthly death and then followed by the resurrection. But he's got his disciples together now, the small group, and he's having a series of conversations that happen before he's arrested. And he knows what's going on in their heart. They're confused. They don't understand everything that's coming down the pike. And he wants to reassure them that he is going to leave them, but he's not going to leave them. In fact, he's going to abide with them forever. Uh, but they still don't quite understand. You see, the good news is that Jesus calls us to do the things that we can't do. <laughs> you think, wait, 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 what's, what's good news about that? But he gives us the power to do them. We realize in this walk with Christ in this world that it is not easy if we're trying to do it on our own. In fact, it's impossible. So Jesus says to his disciples, what I've called you to do is impossible to do, but I'm going to give you my very presence abiding in you so that you can do these things. Now, it's a difference between living in our own power or living in the power that he provides. Some of you know I'm a motorcycle guy. Years ago, I bought this. Now, some of you are thinking, why? I'm not, I don't have time to explain that to you. I'm weird, I like these weird old motorcycles. I'd had a conversation with this guy down in Arkansas. I was convinced after several conversations and against my wife's better judgment that I should buy this. But against her wishes that I just have it shipped back to Idaho, I thought it would be an adventure to fly down and ride it back home, 1,600 miles. Um, it was an adventure. Um, I don't have time to go into all of the adventures, but one of the things that did stand out that I'd like to point out is the picture on the left is as I had set up camp, and I don't know if you can see it in the picture, but my tent is back there against the cornfields, and I'm in a, in a rest stop in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Have you ever been there? Yeah, I was there. And uh, I camped there at a rest stop because, well, the restroom was there, and you know. And so I began to spend the night, and I noticed a storm brewing on the horizon. Turns out it was a, you know, one of those tornado storms. Ever been in one of those? Yeah. Um, I was awakened in the middle of the night as the top of my tent was pushing against my face, <laughs> and the things in my tent were floating. I was a deep sleeper, I guess. So I made my way over to the men's restroom, which is also a tornado shelter. They do that in Kansas. It's really weird. And the loudspeakers come on, and they address everything that's going on. And so I spent the night literally listening to the storm uh, forecast as this storm blew through. By the time I made it out there, it was about four in the morning, and everything was floating, but my motorcycle was still there. So I waited for sunrise, I threw everything in the sidecar, put my coat on, put my helmet on, I could hear my teeth chattering inside my helmet, and I took off. I wasn't very far before I saw in the distance those wonderful golden arches. <laughs> and I thought, you know, I need a cup of coffee just to sort of, you know, begin to warm me. I think I'll get a second cup to put my fingers in. 
And I went to there, and I just sat there and had breakfast, had coffee, and just tried to warm up on this wonderful adventure that I put together. And then I went out, and I went to start the bike, and it would not start. And so, being the poor mechanic that I am, I began to <laughs> dismantle this motorcycle. I gave this thing one of the best tune-ups it's ever had. I could not figure it out. I knew it had to be electrical. I had air, I had gas, you know. Well, I didn't have gas, it was gasoline. Um, couldn't figure it out. And I'm in the middle of nowhere, Kansas. Let alone, there's no motorcycle shops, let alone a BMW motorcycle shop. Okay, that's, that doesn't happen, okay? Big cities don't have BMW shops a lot of times. And here I am. And about the time that I'm praying, going, God, please help me, a white pickup pulls up, and a guy sticks his head out the window and says, you having problems? <laughs> no, I just thought this would be a good place to give it a tune-up. <laughs> he says, what's wrong? I said, well, I can't get the thing to start. He goes, I think I know the problem. I said, how would you know the problem? He says, I'm a BMW mechanic. <laughs> I was looking for, you know, wings on his back. He steps out of the thing, he walks around it, he does a few things, he goes, yeah, wiggle that switch there. These things get old and crusty. So you mean this switch? Yeah, wiggle that. He says, now try it. Boom, starts right up. I mean, I'm trying to keep from kissing this guy on the lips, okay? So I'm like, so I've been here for two hours, all right? And by the time I start getting stuff thrown back in, the tank back, I look up, he's gone. I'm like, Lord, did you really literally answer my prayer? You see, this one encounter became really pretty clear to me. I, I, thought, I took pictures because I thought, this is going to preach someday. One encounter <laughs> made the difference between me pushing in my own strength and riding in the power made available to me. I had a thousand miles to go. The thought of pushing that bike back to Idaho was not fun. But the right person stepped in and showed me where the power was and it made all the difference. Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm leaving you, but I'm coming back. But I'm actually going to come back in a unique way in the sense that I will be with you. I will actually abide with you and I will empower you and I will enable you to do the things that you don't think you can do. I'm going to give you my Holy Spirit. And this is not a transaction. If you do this, I'll do this. This is a transformational experience. I'm going to abide in you. John chapter 14 is where we're going to read. Understand, as they're getting close to the end, Jesus is saying, don't be afraid. I've got you. Here we go. John 14 15 through 31. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I'm going to ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. Do you need to hang out there in that sentence for a moment and let it simmer? 
if you thought perhaps he does or did, I will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Who lives with them now? Jesus lived with them now, okay? No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you're going to see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I'm raised to life again, you'll know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name said, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? That is a brilliant question. That is a brilliant question. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have already told you. I'm leaving you with a gift. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a, is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you, I'm going away, but I'll come back to you again. If you really love me, you will be happy that I'm going to the Father who is greater than I am. Uh, I have, I've told you these things before they happen, so that when they do, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the ruler of this world approaches. He has no power over me. Let me just say that again. He has no power over me. When you think that evil is winning over good, you're wrong. Jesus is saying, God's in charge. Evil has no power over me. It may appear at times as evil is winning. But Jesus says it here. He has not a little. He has no power over me. Okay, we have that? But I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Come, let's be going. The first thing we notice about this is this. Jesus' physical absence, his physical absence means now he is spiritually present in all who believe. His physical absence at that point means now he is spiritually present, present in all who believe. Jesus doesn't have to divide himself up between you and me. He doesn't have to say, well, John's having a good day and Jim's not having a good day. So, John, I'm going to come back to you tomorrow because i got to get all my energy to Jim. No. He has the ability to give all of his energy to John and Jim and Mary and Sue all at the same time. But it's his physical absence that makes his spiritual presence in us possible. 
In fact, John 16, 7, in just two more chapters, he says, it is best for you that I go because if I don't, the advocate won't come. In other words, the Holy Spirit is the very spirit of Christ living in us. See, that's what he means. And, and, and this idea of him living in us and empowering us and teaching us is the very link to the last section we read last week when Jesus said, you will do the same things I did and yet you will do even megas, greater things. What he means is this, the things that you're going to do that are empowered by my spirit can't happen unless my spirit comes and abides. So that the things that you do that you think are common actually become empowered and used by me. So this is the link to that last section, see. Yeah. The word here he uses is paraclete, the helper, the advocate, the Holy Spirit. The Greek word paraclete means helper. It means the one who comes alongside. It means the encourager. When uh, one African language in particular, when being translated from the original Greek, they, they, they translated the one who falls down. And, and people say, well, wait a minute, what does that mean? The Holy Spirit falls down? Yes, because when we fall down, fall down he falls down with us. He puts our arm over his shoulder and then he stands us up. And he walks with us. The one who comes alongside. That's who he is to you, to me. And Jesus said, if I don't go, I can't send him. You see, Jesus provides the power knowing we can't do this life in our own strength. We've tried it. After about a mile of pushing, <laughs> you're just praying for power. But what's amazing to me is how many people actually think it's a good idea to push a motorcycle 1,600 miles. Well, it's the spiritual thing to do. Really? How about you tap in to the power? That's what Jesus is saying here. So his spiritual presence enables us to not just survive but thrive. That's what he's really saying here. There are clear benefits to Jesus' presence in our lives. It says here that the Spirit will reveal the truth to us. He will remind us and teach us the things of God. He literally says, he'll teach you the things, he'll remind you of the things I taught you. Now, this is a really important thing to, uh, for us to understand. The Holy Spirit will always line up with the Scripture, the things that Jesus has already said. He's not going to say something contrary to what Jesus has already said. He says, the Spirit will remind you, will teach you the things that I've taught you. How many of you have ever opened your Bible and been reading and, and, and God speaks to you in a moment and you underline that? You might even put a date next to it. And five years later, you come back and you see that date, you see the underlining, but you're reading that verse like you've read it for the very first time. Because you've changed, and it has a deeper meaning. It's still the same truth, but it has a deeper meaning. That is the Holy Spirit taking what Jesus has already said, what God has already revealed to us in his word, and making sense out of it in our lives. 
So, so don't say, well, you know, the Spirit told me to do this and such and such, if it's contrary to the Word of God, because that's not the Holy Spirit. See? And I've heard people say that. Oh, yeah, the Holy Spirit led me to leave you and marry somebody else. Really? And where does that happen in the Scripture? We can use the Spirit. No, don't use the Spirit. The Spirit will reveal what has already been taught by Jesus. He'll make it come alive. See? Yeah. Verses 18 through 21, he talks about he's not going to leave us like orphans. That word literally translates helpless or friendless. You're not friendless. You're not helpless. I am the empowering presence in your life. I'm going to reveal my heart to you. And I'm going to mature you as you walk with me. But he says those who receive the Spirit are those who believe and obey. That means we continue to live this life open to his abiding presence, his empowering presence. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to Christ. We can't take credit. The credit is all his. He drew you. He drew me. If you're not yet at a point where you've trusted Christ for your, with your life, maybe he's drawing you today. It's not the preacher. He ain't that good. But the Spirit is. But you see, it's the Spirit who draws us and who continues to mature us. That's what Jesus is saying here. But, but a lot of people ask about, you know, well, what is the Holy Spirit? I mean, if you come from a background where, where your church has been really emphasized the Holy Spirit and a lot of that, you, you kind of get almost a Holy Spirit overload. Like, you know, you might they'll come from a, a background where you believe in the Holy Spirit, but you don't know, quite know what to do with him, so you don't really talk about him. You may be new to the faith and you're thinking, I believe in Jesus, but what is this Holy Spirit stuff? It doesn't really matter what background we come from. The word is very clear on who he is. Um, this is not an exhaustive list, please understand, but I, there's 11 things that I sort of collected to, that sort of describes the Holy Spirit. The first thing is he leads us to salvation. Okay, there's the scriptures. I'm not gonna read them all to you. you can, this is a good place if you wanna pull out your cameras and take a picture. He leads us to salvation. He is given to all without limit to those who accept Jesus' words. He gives life to all that is dead. He is our constant encourager, comforter, and helper. We just read that. He doesn't leave us. See, He reveals and explains the truth of what Jesus has already said. He'll make his home in us like God did in the temple. When God ab abided in the temple, he abides in us. That's why Paul talks about us being a temple of the Holy Spirit, see. He is, the, uh, uh, he, is, he is given to all who believe. He is the one we desire to be filled with. Again, Paul in Ephesians 5, 8, uh, 18 is comparing, do not be drunk uh, with wine, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Literally, that word drunk means to, 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 to be uh, controlled by. So be controlled by the Spirit, see. Uh, let him teach you. Let him enable you. Let him empower you. Desire his presence, see. Uh, nine, he helps us to stop sinning and to do the things that pleases God. Let me just let me do a little commercial here. Most of the sins that we commit, willingly, knowingly commit, are sins of comfort. 
We're angry, we need comfort. We're sad, we need comfort. One of the beautiful descriptions of the Holy Spirit that Jesus gives is he's called the comforter. Let me just say that I decided to apply that in my life. And, and when I, like you, face temptation, I have said at times, Lord, you know what I really want to do. See, I don't, I try not to pretend with God because, well, you can't, okay? So you know what I want to do, and, and I know it's out of comfort. So Holy Spirit, I'm asking, would you instead be my comforter? And I'm going to tell you something. He has never failed me when I've prayed that prayer. He gave me strength. Okay? He, he gives us gifts to share with one another. And as we exercise those gifts, the whole body of Christ becomes mature. See? It, p- people, talk, you've, you've probably heard this phrase before. That church, that, that church over there, it's an inch deep and a mile wide. You, you, you know, or, you know, the maturity level of a church has something to do with what's being taught, but it mostly has something to do with whether the people are actually exercising their gifts. Did you hear that? What brings about maturity in my life is when you are exercising the gifts that God's given you towards me. Uh, he's our commander. Like a military platoon, we keep in step with him. That's why Galatians 5.25 says, if you walk in the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit. Again, not an exhaustive list, but what we understand is that Jesus' very presence is living in us, guiding us, maturing us, enabling us, you see. But, but Judas asks this amazing question, why are you only going to reveal it to us who believe and not to the whole world? That's a great question. We live in a day of, of fairness. You know, shouldn't, it be, shouldn't God just tell everybody the same stuff? I mean, that way, it's, we're, you know, just God be, be fair to everybody. Judas is essentially saying, so why are you like holding back and then yet revealing? What, what are you up to here, Jesus? That's a brilliant question. Um, there is such thing as common grace. The fact that God, is, God loves the world. There, there are people who don't even believe in God who experience the grace of God, not, not in a forgiving sort of way, but the, the blessing of living around people who do, see. Uh, but Jesus is specifically saying, I'm only going to give it to you who believe and who obey. This world cosmos, is, it, it gives us an idea of what he's talking about. The word, word literally translates those who stand in opposition to God. It's not, the, not a world that is ignorant. It's a world that is knowledgeable but still stands against him. I'm not going to tell myself. I'm not going to reveal myself. Do you know how hard it is to be vulnerable in relationships? It's hard for everybody. It's not easy. Why? Because somewhere along the line we learned this. I opened my heart up and someone stepped on it. Even in a marriage, a marriage of many, many years, you can still have a struggle with vulnerability because if you've been through struggles and you've taken advantage of that in the other, being vulnerable hurts. It's scary. And Jesus is saying here, I'm going to open my heart up. I'm going to reveal myself, but I'm going to reveal it to those who what? Love me and obey me. Huh. 
I find that fascinating. See. So our love for him is revealed in our obedience. Doing what he did. Living this life like Jesus did. Now, I like C.S. Lewis. And sometimes he just sort of nails it. I think he really nails it in this, this quote. When we think about imitating Jesus, um, he, he says that means all of Jesus. He, he said, our imitation of God in this life must be an imitation of God incarnate. And that's a big old fancy word, incarnate. Two Greek words, incarnate. In meaning inside, carne meaning flesh, meaning God entered flesh and walked among us. Jesus is God, okay? So, so, so God incarnate. Our model is the Jesus, not only of Calvary, but of the workshop. The roads, the crowds, the clamorous demands, the surly oppositions, the lack of all peace and privacy and interruptions. That was Jesus' life, so if we're going to mimic Jesus, that's our life. It ain't easy living for Jesus, is what C.S. Lewis is saying. But if we're going to imitate him, we're going to imitate him in every part of our lives. Now, that, that's, that's cool, but... That means if Jesus walked alongside of us and he promises his spirit who what? Comes alongside of us. Then we're called to come alongside others. You see, some people oppose God, but there are many people who have not understood yet who he is. He's begun to work on their hearts, but as you come alongside of them, they begin to see and understand. And they're drawn closer to the heart of God. What we do matters. We tend to think that, well, what I do doesn't really matter, but what you do really matters. In fact, sometimes we think that, well, if you, if you do God's work, you know, you're a pastor or a missionary or well, that's, that's real commitment. I work night shift on the line over there. It's, uh, it's just a job. Hmm. Where did we ever come up with that idea that people who are professional ministers are more important? In fact, we, were, we threw this out this week. We kind of, as we, on Wednesdays, we, we throw it out to the whole group. We got about 16 people crammed in my office. We tear the sermon apart. We all kind of concluded that the church hasn't done a really good job of explaining this. I'm not going to attempt to try to fix all of that right now, but, but Anna pointed out a, a statistic that was done, and I, I'm even reluctant to quote it because it, it seems so unreal. But let me just say, there's a large, large percentage of people that think that if you work for the church, it's more important than if you work a regular job. Where in the scripture does that say that? Nowhere. 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 And, and, and so we begin, to, we begin to look at this and we realize that, 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 that incarnation means we're going to walk with Jesus and we're going to do the things he's done and we can't do it in our own strength so we need his power and he gives us his power to actually be his hands, his feet. But that thing means everything matters. Every job we do matters to God because, frankly, on the night shift on that line, there are some people who would never darken the doors of this church, but they will enter into a friendship with you. And because of the Holy Spirit who is at work in you and through you, they're being drawn. 
And they may never come here. So what you do matters. Everything matters. I mean, the accountant and the aircraft mechanic, the builder, the babysitter, the cabinet maker, the cardiologist, the dentist, the dairyman, the electrician, the eye doctor, yeah. The farmer, the flight attendant, the golf pro, the gunsmith, yeah, even him. Homemaker, the haberdasherist, that's a real word, you can look it up later. Inspector, the irrigator, the janitor, the junior high teacher, the kitchen helper, the keyboardist, the landscaper, the lawyer, the machinist, the manager, the nurse, the nuclear scientist, the orthopedic surgeon, the engine overhauler, the politician, and yeah, even the preacher. They all matter, but not one is more important than the other. Why? Because we contain the very presence of Christ. And he empowers us to be him in the world. Make sense? So go back to Judas's brilliant question. Why, why just us? I think Jesus is saying, you, you don't have the privilege of knowing about the things of God if you're not intent on being about the things of God. I mean, I, 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 why would God reveal his heart to someone who has no intention of doing anything with it? Would you reveal your heart to someone who would just shrug their shoulders and walk away? No. No. Those who love me obey me. I, in other words, we're living in this relationship. I'm going to reveal myself to you. You're going to understand things that the world is just going to scratch their head about because why? The Holy Spirit's living in you empowering you, maturing you, setting you apart for his purposes. Yeah. And we're about the things of God when we, in the power of the Spirit, don't do something different, but do what we already do differently. I don't need a new job. I just need to do my job differently. Someday when I work, nope. Today. Where am I today? That the Spirit can enable you and I to do it differently. You see, His Spirit abides in us when we love Him and we'll know it because of the peace that He gives us. It's not a peace that the world gives. Everybody wants world peace. You know, if you're in a beauty contest, make sure you get that one down, okay? I came up behind a car and saw this one day. That's, that actually made me laugh. Stop the violins. Yes. Because why? I was actually visualizing world peas, and it was fun. And, and the humor behind it is actually, I, I think, a little truthful. In other words, really? Seriously? World peace is hard won and short-lived, but what Jesus offers, is, offers cannot be found anywhere else. The peace that he offers is the peace that, that, that Paul is talking about in Philippians 4 when he says when you commit your way, you know, when you turn it over to him, when you, when you choose not to be anxious but to instead to present your request to him with thanksgiving, he will give you a peace that passes understanding to guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Could anybody use some peace of mind today? That's a peace that only he can give. The world doesn't get that. They negotiate, and they lose it as quickly as they, they, they earn it. 
So as we look at all of this, we, we realize that, that, that his spirit will remind us that even when it looks like Satan is winning, God is absolutely in charge. Jesus says it so clearly. He has no power over me. If you don't remember anything else, hold on to that one. Take that home with you. Because there will be times when you're thinking, I think Satan's winning. And, and I'll just tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> He's not. Jesus is in charge. He's not, he's not getting killed by someone. The world is not controlling his agenda. Jesus is willingly laying down his life. Some of your versions say, the, for the Father is greater than me. And you're thinking, well, okay, wait a minute. what does that mean? I mean, is Jesus God? I mean, we've, we've kind of determined that in the Gospel of John, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh, so Jesus is God, so how could the Father be greater Great question. I'm glad you asked. Um, is Jesus somehow diminished in all of this because he's willingly laying down his life? No, no. The word greater here is something we need to understand. He's describing a role that he's playing. Let me give you an example. If I told you that the president of the United States is greater than me, I would be telling you the truth in the sense that he has, uh, 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 he's, he's uh, uh, greater in wealth, he's greater in fame, uh, he's greater in, in, in a number of ways, but it's because of the role that he's playing. It's not a diminished state, it's an explanation of what he's doing. And so what Jesus is saying here is, I'm doing this because this is part of the plan. This isn't gonna happen to me. I'm doing this on purpose. And when I do, I'm going to send my spirit to abide in you. The Pillar New Testament commentary describes it this way, and I think it's pretty good. The Father is God sending and commanding. The Son is God sent and obedient. See, that's what Jesus is saying. We have a role to play. The Father sent me. I'm here. I'm going to obey. It's not Satan doing this to me. He doesn't win. He has no power over me. But I'm doing this, and as I do this, there's a reason for it. And you'll get it soon enough, but let me tell you something. I'm coming back literally someday physically, but in the meantime, in you. And I'm going to be your advocate. I'm going to be your encourager. I'm going to be the one who comes alongside of you. I'm going to be your comforter when you want to reach for something else out of comfort. I'm going to empower you. I'm going to actually take the words that you already know that I've said, and I'm going to explain them to you. And you're going to mature as you walk with me because I'm faithful. I'm not going to take off. I'm with you. That's what he means. You see, this is not a transaction. If you do this, I'll do this. No, he's saying, you have done this. You've demonstrated your love for me. You, you want to obey, yet yeah, you're not perfect, you're human. In fact, you can't do this. I, I'm going to enable you to do this. I'm going to give you the power to not only do the things I've done, but do greater things. It's called the Holy Spirit. You, you might be thinking this morning, oh, I'm confused. Okay, so were the disciples. Don't worry about it. Lean into it. He'll explain. Okay? How, how, do, you, how do you really talk about the Holy Spirit in a sermon? Yeah. A human attempt is, is almost frustrating, but lean in. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't, don't be consumed or controlled by anything else other than him. Be filled with the Spirit. Be encouraged. 
His physical absence means his abiding presence. That means he is 100% yours and he's 100% yours and he's 100% mine all at the same time. He doesn't have to divide himself. He's yours. He abides within. And he enables you and gifts you and calls you. So be confident. No matter what, God's in charge. He knows what he's doing. Evil doesn't win. God does. So the good news is we're not alone. We have the power to do the things he's asked us to do. Or you can push. (laughs) Do it in your own strength. Or you could let him empower you and ride in the spirit. There's an old hymn that probably describes this best. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take my hands, let them move at the impulse of thy love. Take my love, take my will. You see, this is a song written by someone who understands exactly what I just explained. I want to surrender. The same spirit who led me to the Lord is the spirit who I desire to be filled with, controlled by. Because as I do, I will actually do the things that Jesus did and even greater. Why? Because of his abiding presence. (laughs) He'll cleanse me. He'll empower me. He'll teach me. He'll mature me. And as he does that in me and you and you and you and you, guess what happens? We all mature together because we're doing what he called us to do. Would you stand and sing this song with me? If you know the words, sing them out. If they're new to you, listen to them. You can sing too, but listen to them. But let this song be not just a song, but a prayer. We have plenty of time. Make it a prayer. And there may be some here today who say, I want to make it a prayer, and I do. I want this moment to be a moment where I say, Lord, I'm surrendering to you. I want the Holy Spirit to be in charge of my life. But you also may want to come and pray. We have pastors down front here who would love to pray with you. If you don't know exactly how to pray, don't worry about it. You can come down. After the service is over, you just come on down while everybody else is going out. They'll be hanging out here. They'd love to pray with you. But I'm going to be controlled by something. It's either going to be him or me. My desire is that I be controlled by him. Let's sing.
Spirit. In the name of Jesus, let him empower you. Let him cleanse you. Let him sanctify you. Let him set you apart. Let him be your comforter, your encourager, your teacher. Let the very presence of Christ live in you and through you. You have no idea what he plans to do through you. But it can't happen unless you surrender. Lord, you see our hearts, you know us. Be our comforter. When we're tempted to reach out to those sins of comfort, be our comforter. Set us apart for your purposes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you that you left this earth, but you entered each of our lives and set up camp. You abide. (laughs) You abide. You're the vine. We're the branches. You abide. And we, we want to abide in you. So do a work that only you can do power of your Holy Spirit, we pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of God's people said, amen. If you want to come and pray, you can. There are people up here who would love to pray with you, but seriously, folks, go in his power. I'm glad that I was not stuck in the uh, tent during a tornado in Kansas. I grew up and spent a lot of my time growing up in Nebraska, and tornadoes are real, and they are not fun. Uh, But what is fun is following uh, God and being filled with the Holy Spirit. I thought that was really cool how he talked about this idea of greater things, that Jesus says it's, it's better that I go, that the Spirit of God would come. And really what he says is that he's present now. He is the helper. He is the encourager. He is the comforter. And, and what does that make you think, Scott, as we talk about this idea of the Holy Spirit, you know, uh, coming alongside of us, making these things possible? What does it mean to you that he is a helper, a comforter, an encourager? Well, I've always thought it was weird. Jesus says, it's better that I go. I thought, why? 
be cool to have you here, Jesus. But then I didn't realize the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, the true power, the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit uh, on helping me to be like Jesus. All the things I want to do. Um, yeah, I would love to have the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, I would love to do to do all this stuff, to live like Jesus, to have the heart of Jesus, to have the compassion of Jesus. But when when I'm indwelt by the Holy Spirit, it's possible for me to do that. When I'm not, it's not like I could try harder and maybe I'll get a little... There's no way I can. And so it, it the Holy Spirit being the helper is... Well, really, the key to make it possible uh, to become like Christ. Yeah, that was beautiful. I think uh, what's really cool to me is that we get to have this this presence, this this deep things of God that we get to understand. And I love that when he really talked about Scripture and how Scripture can come alive, and and we will never have anything that the Spirit says that is against what Scripture says, because uh, it's the same God. It's the same spirit. It's the same knowledge. And so never will the spirit tell us anything that is against scripture, which is helpful, you know, because a lot of times, even if we're being uh, truthful, we can misunderstand, but especially when people are dishonest and want to say what the, what the spirit is doing, it will never go against what scripture has said. But it was really cool. Um, Those people that do want to take advantage, those people that do want the power of God, but want their own, you know, their own kingdom and their own will. It's pretty cool. Jim's quote said this. He says, you don't have the privilege of knowing about the things of God if you're not intent on being about the things of God. I don't know about you, but that made me think of Simon the magician, you know, when he comes and he wants the power, but he misses it, right? Because it's not about the power. It's not about the cool things that we get to do. It's really about knowing him and being in him. And, And you can't have those things without knowing who he is first, which is comforting. Yeah. And it, I like that uh, you bringing up Simon, because um, it makes me think of times in my life have I been like Simon? You know, I may not. It, it's I may not what exactly is he does, but have there been times when I've wanted to be uh, manipulate the Holy Spirit? You know, the Holy Spirit would be so much more effective if you could let me do this. Yeah. Uh and I mean, I have thought about several times, several times today, I've even thought about, oh, wow, I've done that in my life. Holy Spirit, do you know how much better it would be if you let me do this? Or why have it, or getting angry? Why did you do this? This isn't the way that your kingdom's going to grow. Um, and there have been so many times where I've, just questioned, gotten angry, uh, had all sorts of negative emotions about the way that the, the, the Holy Spirit's doing things. And I like you bringing up Simon because I thought, you know, I don't want to be like him. I want to be like Jesus. And so it, it gives some good self-reflection. Yeah. It makes you wonder, you know, a while back we were talking about the imperturbability that we sometimes put on Jesus, right? That was the word that I'm not sure Beth didn't make up. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but that, what a great word that we do. We kind of make Jesus this flat line, just, yes, okay. One. But instead, he was, it's not how he was at all. He was a man, he was passionate, and he moved people. 
And he didn't do that by being imperturbable. And yet there is a peace that comes from knowing God. There is a peace that comes from trusting him. And like you said, not trying to wrest control and power from him, but really trusting him. And I think uh, if we try to cheapen the Holy Spirit, if we try to cheapen what it means to follow Christ, then we miss out on that peace. And that's one of the the best fruits of all, is really being able to to live in peace and to uh, not be anxious. What does he say? You know, don't be anxious. Instead, you know... Uh, just as the as the sparrows are cared for, as the as the lilies in the field are cared for, you are that much more important. So don't be don't worry, don't be anxious. And uh, the only way that we can do that is by the Spirit of God. And that's what Jim invited us to, right? Is that we get to do the things of God through the power of God, not through our own effort, not by trying to push a bike across the country. We get to uh, not coast along because we're always working to stay close to Him, but but we get access to His power. And the things that we'll be able to do if we do that are so much more than us just putting our human effort into it. But mostly the cool thing is we're not alone. And we're not alone here. I mean, Scott and I get to do this together. And and I don't know about you, Scott, but it's a pleasure to do this with you. And that's the cool thing about being uh, in the church body together. You know, Scott and I are brothers. If you're a member here at Crossroads, if you're a member at any church across the world, uh, we are brothers and sisters in Christ. We are doing this together. And that's a beautiful thing, but also we're not alone because the very Spirit of God, the very Spirit that that raised Christ from the dead is here with us, serving with us. So thank you for joining us today as we unpack uh, Jim's message. And uh, join us in a few weeks as we release every two weeks um, our comments and discussions around the messages of our great teaching team. Uh, we love doing this with you guys, and we look forward to it next time. So thanks from all of us here at The Refuge. Thank you.